This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Kadar, joined as always by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich here on Cover 2. There's a lot to get into when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, who are now participating in the postseason this year after making it to the second round last year. Uh, So we're going to talk about what some of the players had to say, what Coach Kevin Stefanski had to say, and most specifically what Andrew Barry had to say. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Andrew Barry talked this morning, so it's a it's a fresh topic and it's it's pretty encompassing, I thought. So we will get into that with Nate. But before we do, don't forget to check out USA Today Sports Plus from our friends over at USA Today. It's a new look at sports, and you can get it on the Apple Play Store. Excuse me, the the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. That's where you can get it at USA Today Sports Plus. It's a whole new uh, look at sports coverage, so check it out. All right, Nate, the the obvious biggest takeaway from the last two days, and today specifically with Andrew Barry, was what he had to say when it came to Baker Mayfield. I don't want to say... He sounds steadfast about it, but he sounded pretty resolute that that Baker Mayfield is going to be the quarterback in 2022. What's your take on how Andrew Barry kind of handled the line of questioning when it came to Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, Dan, because this is a general manager and, you know, a regime, really, that doesn't say a lot, you know, when it speaks in these news conferences. And I thought he was pretty strong today in saying that they fully expect Baker Mayfield to be their starting quarterback next season and to bounce back from an injury-plagued 2021, you know, disastrous, disappointing, lack of production, whatever you want to call it, that season. So, um, you know, he could have, I think, been a lot um, more noncommittal, and he was strong in his commitment to Mayfield. I still don't think that it guarantees Baker Mayfield is indeed the starting quarterback of the Browns. I think that is the most likely outcome for next season. And I think that it's likely enough for Andrew Berry to be as strong as he was today. But I think that the Browns are going to do their due diligence in exploring the quarterback market and plans change, right? So right now they're planning for Baker Mayfield to be their starting quarterback to begin next season. But if an opportunity presents itself and they feel they can upgrade the position or add competition for Mayfield and that competition prevails, you know, the expectation on January 11th can definitely change by the 2022 season opener. So that's how I am reading all this right now. I think that's a honest way of reading it because we've, We've seen this all too often in the NFL where teams will commit to a player or a coach one week and then a a week later in the offseason, it's it's a completely different scenario. So I I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be the case with Baker Mayfield. I mean, unless you're really well and truly willing to just blame everything that happened this season on his injury stuff. And that's a that is a big part of it, sure. I I don't think you can just confidently say, yeah, this is this is our guy going into 2022. Because to me, Nate, if that was the case, there there wouldn't be a contract situation here. You know, the 
there, there will be some kind of talk, at least, about a contract extension. And there isn't even that going on. So I, I think you're right. I think the Browns are saying the right thing right now. But it, it to me, it does not shut the door on what could happen in the next several months. So, you know, the, the other thing to keep in mind with all this is we don't honestly know Baker Mayfield's opinion of it. He kind of, he has a little bit of an out with the injury now. You know, you guys talked to, I don't know how many players this week and their kind of media exit interviews, locker room clearouts, whatever you want to call them. Baker Mayfield didn't have to worry about doing that because he's, you know, he's preparing, I guess, for shoulder surgery on January 19th. So we don't know the full picture, I don't think. So I, I think what you said in terms of, you know, things can change. This is what the Browns are saying on January 11th, 2022. So it's uh, it's it's hard to take too too much away from what what was said today. I, I wouldn't put a ton of stock into it, to be honest with you. Well, you and I are on the same page, and we're going to see here. If the Browns do not have another option that they're able to secure um, to supplant Mayfield, we'll find out if he and, ba- and uh, Kevin Stefanski are on the same page like like you and I are, Dan, because that has been the question lately, right? And Andrew Barry said today he's not concerned about it. Um, but, you know, I asked him point blank, or you know, right, have you and Kevin Stefanski heard the things you need to hear from Baker to give you confidence that the relationship's going to be okay moving forward, given that, you know, Baker publicly criticized the play calling twice in the last month. And I think that still is a big question. Andrew Barry said what he's supposed to say in that situation. Um, you know, uh, and Baker and, and Kevin Stefanski, you know, have both said, um, you know, that, their meeting, their exit interview that they had on on Friday, you know, left on a positive note and things like that. But, you know, we're going to see. We're going to see how it all plays out. And I don't think there's going to be any um, obvious answer for a while. But eventually, uh, you know, everything uh, unearths itself, as it did with Mayfield and his frustrations uh, in the 2021 season. There wasn't any hiding uh, that he was not happy with the offense, with the play calling, okay? You know, the injuries certainly affected his play. Um, He also, um, you know, just had some bad decision-making that was obvious several times or many times this season. You know, it wasn't all the injuries is what I'm trying to say for the poor, poor performance. And it wasn't all the play calling. And there were times where guys were wide open, like David Njoku, on that outbreaking route in Green Bay, and, you know, the Browns had a chance to go on a game-winning game drive, and Baker misses them a couple plays before the, the game-deciding pick. And, yeah, there was a missed interference or holding call there, but if you hit a joker there, you're getting, like, 17 yards and a first down, then you can run it a few times like everybody wanted them to do and set up that field goal. So that's a point um, that I'm trying to make here, an example of the play calling working and Baker just missing. So... The Baker gets out of that shoulder harness with a surgically repaired labrum and is feeling better. Does he make that throw? Does he complete that pass? You know, he did it a lot in the back half of 2020. So I guess that's what the Browns are hanging their hat on right now. And they're messaging that, you know, barring a change of the position, um, they're hoping he can get back to the 2020 version we saw. But barring a change of the position is a key phrase. It is. And do you think that we are going to hear from Baker Mayfield at all this offseason before, you know, what's the expectation that he'll be back for organized team activities? Do you think we'll hear from him at all before then? Because there, there's a lot of action that is going to take place. I mean, you have free agency, you have the draft. You have the combine where teams are going to be hanging out together, potentially talking about 
uh, player trades. So, you know, there, there's the, the Browns have to make a decision for sure on this, and that that has to be made in conjunction with really having an understanding of what Baker Mayfield wants. You know, like I'm still hung up on how he fits in this offense from a personality standpoint, at least like an ultra competitive, sure of himself guy who is used to, at least in college, slinging it around, playing in an offense that really doesn't push the ball downfield. It relies on the run game a lot. It relies on a lot of tight end play, which is not typically big play stuff unless you have, you know, Travis Kelsey or whomever, but I, I don't know. Do you, do you think we're going to hear from Baker Mayfield at all? Where do you, do you think that what Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry had to say about, you know, how the, how the meeting went between the coach and the player is, is spot on. Tell me where you think the, the Baker Mayfield mentality is right now. Well, first, I want to say that I think you perfectly encapsulated the Baker Mayfield mindset about this offense. And, yeah, he wants to be the gunslinger. And you just described why he isn't in this offense. But they let him try to do a little bit of that and open it up in Green Bay. And he threw a career-high four picks. So maybe Kevin Stefanski knows kind of, um, you know, the dangers of letting Baker be that gunslinger. And, and uh, you know, that what he wants might not necessarily be the best thing for him or the team. So... That is an interesting kind of, uh, you know, difference in philosophies, I think, that has led some of these frustrations to boil over in the past month from Mayfield. Um, You know, I'm talking about two specific examples uh, of him publicly criticizing Kevin Stefanski after the December 12th win over the Baltimore Ravens. He said the offense got too conservative. Um, That's a shot at play calling. Anybody who uh, has been around football and uh, quarterback talk, uh, playmaker talk or play uh, play caller talk. Um, when you say an offense got too conservative, that's uh, not a compliment. And then he took nine sacks in the penultimate game against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. And said afterward, you know, we didn't give rookie right tackle James Hudson the third enough help, and he was going against a All Pro NFL Defensive Player of the Year guy and uh, T.J. Watt and. He teed off on Baker and, you know, not not all the nine sacks were on the O-line or on Hudson. There were sometimes Baker was holding the ball. And you can see that. Go watch the uh, game and watch him pump and uh, and uh, and, uh, you know, double clutch and hang on to it and get sacked. Um, But certainly he was not a fan of the game plan and the play calling um, and the fact that they didn't double team and chip a lot going against a rookie fourth round pick with making just his third NFL start. So I don't think Mayfield was wrong um, with the points he made, but obviously not functional to be calling out your head coach and your play caller. That's dysfunctional. Um, So, you know, we'll see where those guys go from here. But um, Dan, to answer your question about Baker, the ship sailed on him, speaking of the media, yesterday. It was locker clean-out day, but we had to do it virtually because of COVID. So many players talked, uh, given the setup and the circumstances, Baker wasn't one of them. He was requested by the Beacon Journal slash Gannett uh, many times in the buildup to the locker cleanout day and also many other media outlets um, and news organizations. They cover the Browns did the same. Uh, all those requests were denied. So, no, he's not going to be talking, I don't think, anytime soon. Probably not until OTAs when they, the Browns open availability back up. At that point, he'll be coming off the surgery, um, coming back into the Browns headquarters. Now, as far as how he felt about the meeting with Stefanski, he did tell the Fox sideline reporter um, before the game on Sunday, because he was on the sideline, even though he was shut down for the finale. Um, he was on the sideline throughout the game, looking at the tablet, talking to Case Keenum and other teammates. Um, and he was on the field before the game, and he talked to the Fox sideline reporter saying that he recently had this great meeting with his coaches and and uh, other Browns officials about his future and also said that uh, 
pertaining to the surgery. He expects to be in a sling six weeks after the surgery. The surgery is scheduled for January 19th, as we know, uh, in Los Angeles, and that he hopes to be back to work uh, in late April, which jives with the timetable I've been told, which is like a four to six month uh, rehab process for this non-throwing shoulder surgery. So that's kind of where Baker is. And yeah, you can't um, be surprised if you hear from him before OTAs is what I would say. Man, I got to tell you, you know, it's as someone who does not cover the Browns, as someone who is a fan who, you know, watches the game just like everybody else, it's pretty damn disappointing to me to hear that, you know, the media requested to speak to Baker Mayfield multiple times for for yesterday and it, it didn't happen. Um, that, that's disappointing. I, I understand that, you know, Baker Mayfield talked after the, his last game and that, you know, he's he's getting ready for surgery but that's quite severe in a, in a long rehab. I understand that he's unhappy with certain members of the, the local media, but from a, from a fan's perspective, you know, I, I personally want to know where this guy is at coming off a disastrous season. I mean, you didn't even mention the, the four batted passes, I don't think, which was just oh, ugly. It was five. Yeah. It was four in the first half. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that's just disappointing. Um, any, anything else you kind of want to mention on on Baker Mayfield before we we move on, based on what Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski had to say? No, but I can demoralize you further with another uh, sure unfulfilled interview request that can lead you to another topic. Sure. Um, I've been requesting Jarvis Landry for weeks. So I know several of my colleagues have, and you know, we haven't talked to him in a Brown setting since I believe after the first Steelers game on Halloween. Um, he did speak at like a uh, Thanksgiving turkey drive that he did November 16th in Parma. I went to that. That's when he said that Odell Beckham Jr. forcing his way out, leaving hurt and stings and uh, said a few other things about um, Landry saying how he was um, – you know, not getting the ball a lot and didn't know why. And obviously Baker's heard and, you know, his understanding of of him going out there and, and trying his best um, while dealing with injuries. Um, but hasn't spoken since then. And, and the reason why it's really eating at me is because this is a guy who came in 2018 in a trade from the Dolphins and really helped the Browns turn things around and has been credited for being a, a, a team leader, a a guy, um, you know, who helped change culture, a guy who the Browns named their Walter Payton man of the year, a five-time pro bowler guy, you know, I've done some stories with and always enjoyed talking to. And this is a guy who, uh, would speak every week during the season. He's one of the weekly guys. He's a go-to face of the franchise. Um, you know, put him out there front and center. Uh, he is a voice of the organization and he shut it down. He completely shut it down. And I understand you know, that this was hard for him. You know, he's dealing with injuries. I did a story with him earlier in the season about missing games due to injury for the first time in his football life, not just NFL career, but football life. And uh, you miss, you missed a game with COVID last year, actually as a close contact due to COVID protocols last year, the Jets game. Um, and when I say last year, I mean 2020. The calendar is messing me up, Dan. Uh, but, yeah, he missed four games this year with the sprained MCL in the left knee and uh, it, you know, it, and then Odell leaves his best friend. So I understand frustrating season and everything, but this very well may be Jarvis's last season in Cleveland. And, um, you know, I, he, I think he may have played his last game in a Browns uniform, uh, this past Sunday and he had a pretty good game too. Um, but it's just, I think it, it's unfortunate that if he's not coming back, that there's no send off, no farewell, no chance to talk about his time here or, um, you know, how he feels about his experience here for, um, you know, for 
one. I'm trying to think of this. Four seasons. So yeah, um, that one, that one kind of stings as somebody who covers the team inside and out, and and really wants to, um, you know, tell the stories of the players. And um, yeah, I'm just lamenting that we haven't been able to have access to Jarvis this year. Yeah, you know, to me, um, sorry to cut you off there, but to me, the the weekly Jarvis Landry interviews were always a nice way of, like, getting a good pulse of the team as a whole, I thought. You know, like, he, to me, he was, he's a straight shooter in terms of how he answers questions and his openness, and... I just got a sense of kind of where the team was at as a collective, you know, and then it it kind of comes out uh, during these exit meetings, whether it's John Johnson or Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, maybe some, some chemistry issues with this team that, you know, were hard to pick up on when you're not hearing from a, a team leader like Jarvis Landry. So that that's disappointing that he, continues to refuse uh, his media obligation. But, you know, more more important to, to the Browns and what happens next with him, Nate, where do you think they stand? Um, our colleague Marla Ridenauer has a story up on that over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns right now. Andrew Barry wasn't exactly committal to Jarvis Landry's future with the Browns. No, I asked him about it. And he didn't answer. <laughs> he gave a quote about Jarvis, but he did not answer anything about his future with the Browns. He said, mm-hmm. I think everybody on this call knows how much respect that we have for Jarvis and really what he's meant for our team and organization over the past several years. He's been a productive player for us since the day we, we traded for him. And he's been really a key piece in how the team and organization has evolved over the last several years. Well, he's kind of giving the little snapshot of of Jarvis's contributions here when asked about his future as it relates to a member of the Browns. That sounds like goodbye to me. So, again, the reason why, if you look at his contract, Dan, is he's owed more than $15 million in cash in 2022 with more than a $16 million cap hit but only one and a half million in dead money. So that means that, you know, it's funny, right? We talk about these millions and say, well, that's not much, blah, 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 blah. Of course, to us, it's much. But relatively speaking, in NFL terms, in big business sports uh, terms, for the Browns, for him to be able to be released with a one and a half million dead cap, Mm -hmm. for for, for it to only cost them that, is a huge deal. You know, I talked to former NFL agent, contract expert, salary cap expert, Joel Corey, uh, last Friday, we went over the whole roster. That big shout out to Joel. Uh, if you, anybody listening is looking to, uh, for a, a really good, uh, contract podcast. He is the best, most thorough one I've ever heard inside the cap with Joel Corey. Um, we, we talked about Baker. We talked about the entire NFL quarterback, landscape slash market coming up this off season. Now we talked about Jarvis Landry and a bunch of other guys, but Joel says, yeah, because of those things I just said with the dead cap and the big number, um, he is primed to be released. Um, now the the only way you keep a guy with that disparity in cap hit and dead cap is if he's just, you know, having outstanding production. And unfortunately for Jarvis and really the whole passing game and obviously Baker Mayfield's at the center of it. He had the least productive season of his career. And injuries were also, as I mentioned before, part of Jarvis's story in 2021. But yeah, it would have been nice to hear from Jarvis on what could be his way out. And I think it probably is his way out, you know, barring an, uh, a restructured deal. Um, all signs point to this being it. Yeah, that that does look likely, and like you said, in that that last game, he he showed he still has some um, juice, if you will, uh, pun intended on that one. 
uh, so I apologize. But um, I got to tell you, when when he when he chucked the ball at the at the wall after finally scoring another touchdown, that that looked like a guy who was letting a lot of frustrations out. And I I don't know where where Jarvis Landry's future will be, but I, I think he's still a solid player, not a number one, borderline number two at this point. But, yeah, a good good player. But the, the money saving there, you know, it, it's, it's real. And, and Joel Corey makes a great point about that. Nate has a story, again, that, that, that should still be up over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. If you don't see it on the page, just do a search for Drew for Joel Corey and it'll come up. It's J O E L C O R R Y. There's actually two of them. Cause he had so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Info and insight. And I broke it into quarterbacks and then everything else. And yeah, yeah he, he was great. So please check that out. If you're interested, you won't be disappointed. He, he was really thorough. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And Nate, I got to tell you, speaking of money stuff, when it comes to the Browns, for some reason, it was like, it, not a red flag or anything, but I took notice of when Andrew Barry, I think in his opening remarks today during his press call, he mentioned managing the cap and cash. I don't know why that stuck out to me. Am I crazy for like an I, you know, a, a Dwayne the Rock Johnson eyebrow raise when he said cap and cash? Um, yeah, I don't, I just think that's the way he talks. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I think it was last week, which by the way, we recorded a great podcast last week, but the dumb host of, of said podcast forgot to record it. Um, but I, I think we said something like we, we want to know more about like the finances of football, you know, and how contracts work and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I'm I always get stuck on like the actual money part of things. You know, like we we know how much a salary cap is. We know how much room teams have under the salary cap. But there's always like this underlying parts of it, whether it's like dead cap numbers or the amount of bonus money or, or whatever teams have to have in, in escrow. I, I don't know. I'm off on a wild tangent, so we can I mean, we that's, can why I get, that's why I but, feel the need to talk to Joel Corey. <laughs> exactly yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Um, right. Hey, I got a contract thing for you that I spent a decent amount of time looking up today. Yes, hit me. Okay. So this is um, the history here. Um, if Baker does indeed uh, play – for the Browns on his fifth year option is Andrew Berry's planning and expecting right now. Um, there's some history to go with it. So since so the NFL and NFLPA, they struck a deal on a CBA in 2011 and that's when the fifth year option was invented or whatever the word you want to call, uh, whatever word you want to use for it. So I went through and I found all the quarterbacks drafted uh, since 2011 and whether they had their fifth year options picked up. And so Cam Newton had his fifth year option picked up. Um, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder didn't. Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin III had their fifth year options picked up in 2012 along with Ryan Tannehill. Brandon Whedon did not. EJ Manuel did not have his fifth year option picked up in the 2013 class. Blake Bortles had his picked up from 2014, uh, but Johnny Manziel, who we know all too well, and Teddy Bridgewater did not. Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota from 2015 had theirs picked up, and uh, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz uh, had theirs picked up in 2016. Paxton Lynch, no. 2017, Mitch Trubisky, no. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, yes. Didn't do 2018, but we know, um, obviously, Baker had his picked up because those guys have yet to play their fifth year. But the point in all this is, so all those guys, uh, of those like 11 guys I just mentioned, um, eight of them got uh, extensions before their fifth year. 
uh, and some of them got extensions before their before their fourth year. So none of them got to year five. None of them got to the point Baker would get in the fall without a contract extension out of those eight. The three there's and then there's three other guys out, out, out of the eleven. What happened with the other three guys? RG three gets released before his fifth year. Okay. Uh, and then Winston and Mariota, they play on the fifth year and both are allowed to walk in free agency. So anybody who's got into year five without an extension and actually just played on year five, that's Winston and Mariota. That's the boat Baker could find himself in. And both of those guys were allowed to walk after year five. So Andrew Barry is well aware of the history. He said he wouldn't call this a lame duck year for Baker Mayfield because despite precedent, Andrew Barry said he's going to march to the beat of his own drum. So history says even if if Baker is back, if he plays 2022 on his fifth year, uh, history says he will not be back for year six. Andrew Barry says, who cares about history? Well... Uh, that all I know is you, you don't want to be in the same company as Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, you know. So, that I do you think it's going to be a lame duck season of Baker Mayfield? I, I know Andrew Barry won't say yes or no to that, but what is Nate Ulrich, guy who has covered the team for a really long time and knows, you know football personalities the the whole thing do you say it's a lame duck year for baker mayfield coming up i mean if i had to say right now on january 11th yeah because of everything i just laid out that's the point of going through all of it i know it's a little long-winded but there is a there are years and years that would support the idea that if you're not extending your quarterback who was picked in the first round before year five, then you are not convinced he's the guy. And if you're not convinced he's the guy and you get to year five and you play him on that option, then, well, two for two have walked. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, now, I mean, can like he be an exception to the rule? Can he get healthy and bounce back and all that? Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but I'm just saying uh-huh. it was, it would it would be an, it would be it would be unprecedented, and Andrew Barry says he doesn't care about precedent, so we'll see. But you know, and here's the thing, Dan. Like I know you're talking about. I really want to get you on this real quick, and maybe we can wrap it. But yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, you know, you're talking about decisions have to be made coming up and up. Well, I would I would say there there is a there is an speaking of exceptions, there is an exception like. This, you know, whatever. All this, I, I I talked at length with Joel Corey about, but you know, there are the the big name quarterbacks, right? You know, there's Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and is somebody going to trade for one of those guys? And you know, mm-hmm. that that's something that you can never say never, but doesn't seem likely for the Browns. And then, you know, you get to Derek Carr. Uh, who's going to the playoffs now? Um, you get to um, Kirk Cousins. That organization just got blown up yep. uh, in Minnesota. Um, you know, you get to those guys. You get to Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a number three overall pick right there behind him, and Trey Lance in San Francisco. And so, can you get one of those guys? You know, a, a tier below the 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 top three that I mentioned earlier, but can you get one of those guys in trade? Maybe, but you know, don't bet on it. I mean, it's going to be a very competitive trade market. I think there will be some of these deals made, but then you get to beyond that. You're just looking at a guy to compete with Baker. Cause there's not going to be like a, you know, the free agent classes like Marcus Mariota, who we've been talking about, Jameis Winston, who we've been talking about, Teddy Bridgewater, who we mentioned in one earlier, he did not have a fifth year option picked up. Um, so do you just bring one of those guys in to compete if you fall short of getting that clear cut upgrade to Baker and, and maybe you do. Um, but what I keep coming back to is, do you draft somebody? And I know it's not supposed to be a good quarterback draft, 
but do you draft somebody? You have the 13th overall pick, and maybe it's not a first-round pick, but maybe you draft somebody in the second round the way the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Brought him in, and eventually they're in the playoffs with him, and Carson Wentz is gone. So you're, you are the draft guru. <laughs> what do you say? In, in terms of the draft, you know, let me just say that I am exceptionally behind when it comes to watching some of these prospects. My my first concern about the of drafting a quarterback high, and by that I mean in the first or second round, is what does that do to Baker Mayfield if he's your guy in at least 2022? You know, does he just go complete you just drafted my replacement, get me out of here now, kind of mode. Um, so it's it's a very it's a very touchy thing if the Browns did do that. There's also the you know, the the situation where while the Browns do have the thirteenth pick in the draft, there are teams ahead of them who could be taking quarterbacks. So you're talking about a, a draft that yes, it does look pretty poor at the position. 2023 is the what looks like it's going to be a much, much better year for the position in the draft. And you know, so you're you're talking about teams in front of the Browns that are like Washington, the Giants, which have two picks in the top ten, which is hilarious. Um who else is up there? The Broncos are ahead of the Browns. And their their quarterback situation is is a mess, you know. So when it, when it comes to the draft, you're you're potentially talking about maybe getting the second or third best quarterback of a bad group. So whether that's Matt Corral of Ole Miss or Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh, Sam Howell of of North Carolina, you know, Corral is Corral's kind of a project. Pickett is a one-year wonder kind of guy, but I, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. And Howell is kind of, from a physical standpoint, a less competitive Baker Mayfield, if you ask me. So, you know, and, and then after that, you get into the second round kind of guys like Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati Project, Malik Willis of Liberty Project. Um, Carson Strong in Nevada project. So you you just you know if you take one of those guys, you just have to be really comfortable with you know how it how it might affect Baker Mayfield's mindset. You know, so if you think you can take one of those guys and and Baker Mayfield's fine with it, cool. But then you know then there's also the situation where. Okay, if you take quarterback in round one or two, you're you're missing out on a potentially high impact pass rusher if Jadavian Clowney leaves in pre agency. You're missing out on a wide receiver and what looks like another really good wide receiver class in a year where you need at least one or two impact wide receiver additions to the roster. So I I don't know. I am not fully on board with, with taking a quarterback at this point. Now, that, that can change, obviously. We'll see how the offseason goes and all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of how I, I think of a quarterback in the draft at this very moment. All right. I appreciate that assessment. I just wonder what right Baker Mayfield would have to be mad about them drafting a quarterback. Um, well, only from the sense of how it can affect the team in 2022. Mm -hmm. You know, it it could just, if, if he takes it the wrong way, you can just torpedo the whole season, I think. And then, then you get into the discussion of, okay, if the Browns suck in 2023 or 2022 because their quarterback is bad and the, the, they don't win games, do, do you get the Jimmy Haslam effect of, do we fire Andrew Barry? Do we fire Kevin Stefanski? Are we drafting in the top 10? And do we go after one of these much better quarterbacks in 2023? So 
that that is to me where you have to gauge how Baker Mayfield might react to it. No, I mean that's fair, but I just you know. Yeah. I, I think it's funny how we like, you know, we can get in these conversations and like all of a sudden Baker Mayfield's Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers is I know. Big, right? But Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Yeah. yeah. It look, that that is true. That that's true, but he's still the quarterback, the starting quarterback of your franchise. Um for now. So yeah. No, you're right about that. I mean, on January 11th, he is. We'll see what happens. I mean, seriously, we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe for this, maybe for this reason, it's veteran or bust. I don't know. And you know, again, he's not gonna. That's the thing. If they bring in anybody who's in in one of those top two tiers, you know, a trade in for one of these established guys who's obviously gonna come in and be the starter, then Baker isn't gonna want to be here and. The Browns aren't going to want to pay him nearly $19 million to be a backup. It won't make sense for anybody. Like, So if they get the clear-cut upgrade, he's gone. But if they don't get the clear-cut upgrade and they either, um, you know, end up signing, you know, free agent competition or drafting somebody, I think he's here. Now, how he handles it? I think you're making great points, Dan, and I think it's disappointing that that has to be such a concern. Um, but oh, yeah. I think that's also what he's shown you. Uh, he's capable of acting like, you know, if, if it gets into that situation. You know, I I do not see him handling it well if they bring in a legit threat to his starting job. Um, mm. I just, you know, I, I haven't seen that from him. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't, not that he's been in that situation, but I don't know. It's It seems like there's such an edge and, and chip on shoulder and all that, and that's part of why he has gotten as far as he has gotten. So I'm sure he would say it's absolutely crazy to take that away. But at the same time, coming off the year he's coming off, coming off surgery too, how could he blame or fault the organization for protecting itself with contingency plans. So it's not going to be a boring off season, is it? <laughs> it's, it, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not going to be a boring off season. That's for sure. So that, that's so disappointing. I mean, coming off last season and the, the, just the way the off season went where, it was obvious what the team had to do, and that was fix the defense, and they did it. Mm-hmm. And now we're back into a classic Browns offseason of what are they going to do at quarterback, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. how do they patch these holes in the offense, you know, like for, in a, on a future podcast, I kind of want to ask you, like, do you leave Jed Wills at left tackle? You know, that that could be something we end up talking about this offseason. So sure. it, it could be it's going to be a weird offseason, man. Um, yeah. Anything else this week before we head out of here? Uh, let's see. I mean, we got the Jadavian Clowney stuff I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, we I mean, only touched on the chemistry stuff. The Denzel Ward thing. Denzel Ward's going to get a contract. I, I don't think that's a big talking point. He should, yeah. Um, he definitely earned it. Um, Clowney wants to be back. The Browns want him back. It's going to depend on, um, you know, how far the Browns are willing to go because he believes he earned a, a huge payday, and I believe so too. Yep. Um, Denzel, yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, when and not if he gets that contract extension, given the way he delivered um, in 2021. The chemistry, yeah, it's weird. The, the theme of the exit interviews, you mentioned earlier, Dan, somehow I got sidetracked. I apologize. But, yeah, um, Jeremiah Usukoromoa, John Johnson III were among some of the Browns players who were basically saying things along the lines of, um, we need more brotherhood and unity uh, among the entire team. The offense stuck to the offense. The defense stuck to the defense. And we could have meshed the two sides better and had more camaraderie and 
I think that's really interesting and important because I think Kevin Stefanski was able to thread the needle in his first season when like the entire off season was virtual. And he did this thing called the four H's um, where guys would talk about their uh, heartbreak heroes, hope, and I don't know, something else being with H and <laughs> uh, it, it, it led to guys bonding. It, it, right. it really did. Like uh, it, it re- guys to a man talked about how it helped them get to know their teammates, even guys who have been here for a while together before. Um, history. History is history. the fourth thing. Yeah, your history. Yeah. So, And then they did other things. Like I talked to um, Charlie Hewitt and Joel Batonio for a story about, like, you know, they did um, just fun stuff. Like they did like a, like a slam dunk contest for like when they're all virtual meetings and stuff, like you would – they had everybody like you could – um, take a video of yourself and submit it. You know, they had like a, a create your own, create a poster contest. They just did a bunch of fun, like, like team building exercises through zoom. And it worked, it worked till it worked wonders for them in the first year. And then they all got to back together and COVID protocols don't make it any easier, but they weren't all on zoom. And then I don't know, it just, it wasn't the same. They didn't, the way the players described it, um, they just weren't as tight this year. So, you know, I don't know if that's just the difference between a winning locker room and a losing locker room and the feelings that you get afterward. But for so many guys to, to bring it up and kind of unsolicited and then to talk through it when they were asked follow-up questions was really interesting. So, you know, I thought that that's something that Kevin Stefanski did such a good job with, and he's got to get back to to that as a focus, I think. Because when the players the players know, and when the players are talking about it, when they're saying it's bothering them, uh, you can't ignore that stuff. No, you you can't at all, and it it's a thing now. So we'll, we'll see how it gets addressed, and I'm sure there will be uh, reports on that. But you know, if nothing else, I kind of want to do some yoga with John Johnson. I gotta be honest; I think that would be a little fun. Stretching it out. Well, you can meet him somewhere. He's looking for somewhere to do it because they're not giving him classes at Brown's headquarters, according to him. <laughs> so uh, there was there was a group of Beacon Journal reporters who were doing uh, Microsoft Teams yoga on a lunch break. So, you know, we can pull John Johnson into that, maybe. No, I was never invited. Well, I think it was an open invite. We'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try and get you the particulars. We'll, we'll uh, see. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, Nate, any any final walk-off thoughts here? Um, no, just stick with us. We're going to keep recording. Um, yeah. Like you said, Dan, I mean, there's, it's, there's not going to be a, a, uh, much downtime, much quiet time. It's going to be a very, a very fascinating off season. Um, because let's face it, uh, the first off season that we had with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, they fixed the offensive tackles. That was their yep. their mission. They did it. Um, last off season was a bigger project, fixing the defense. Like you said, Dan, they did it. I mean, that was the focus. They, there's a theme. They go through first two draft picks. You know, Greg Newsom, cornerback, Jeremiah Usakormo, linebacker, big splashes in free agency of John Johnson the third, your safety, and then defensive end Jadavian Clowney and a bunch of other pieces too. So this year, why it's so interesting is what what was horrible in twenty twenty one, the passing game. So that's why we can't um think that they're just gonna be a standing paddock quarterback, whether that's a starter or a competition for their current starter. That's going to make for a very interesting offseason, along with all the other components of a passing game. You know, your receiving core, Jarvis Landry, and then who's brought in. Um, I think that, you know, off the top of my head, a first round receiver seems like the most logical, uh, you know, guess right now for the draft. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what else. David Njoku's scheduled to be a free agent. So you're, you know. It's not just your receivers, but your pass catchers in general with a, with a big, uh, you know, 
first round pick tight end that you've had for, since 2017. His his future um, is is you know undecided. Although he wants to come back, said he wants to finish his career here. Uh, I just said this on Monday. Uh, he was one of the locker cleanout virtual Zoom guys that we got to speak with, and said his agent and the Browns are still in the contract negotiations, and he's hopeful. So. Uh, that'll be one to track as well. So, yeah, there's so much. And and the tackles, too. You know, Jack Conklin's coming back from a major knee injury and surgery, and Jed Wills did not have the season he wanted at left tackle. And tackles are a huge part of the passing game. Everybody on the offensive line is. So, yeah, um, those are, are positions of of high importance and intrigue, and that's why this offseason is is going to be one to uh, to follow closely. Yep. Yeah, we'll get more into that, you know, in the coming weeks and more specifics about each one of those things. We'll, we'll be talking about, you know, some of the players available in free agency the Browns could look at, some of the players in the draft they should look at. Man, I, I will say, I don't know if you watched the national championship game last night, but one of those potential first-round picks for the Browns, Jamison Williams of, of Alabama, superstar wide receiver, looked like he suffered a pretty bad knee injury. I mean... The guy wanted to go back into the game, and the medical staff said, no, you can't go back into the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, 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 we will talk about all that and a lot more going forward this offseason. Uh, if nothing else, Nate and I know how to manage a, uh, a, a hectic Browns offseason when it comes to recording podcasts. So look forward to that. Uh, for now, that is going to do it for Cover 2. Again, if you have not, please check out USA Today Sports Plus. It's available on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. And all of our content is over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. And Nate will have everything up on his Twitter page up at it by Nate Ulrich. Uh, there's a, there's going to be a lot. Season might be over, but football season never stops. You all know that. So that is going to do it. Thank you very much for listening this week. And we will talk to you next time.